Welcome to Thrivers, nonprofit leadership for the next normal. I'm your host, Tucker Wanamaker, the CEO of Thrive Impact, and our mission is to solve nonprofit leader burnout. Burnout is the enemy of creating positive change, and we want to connect you with impactful, mission-driven leaders and ideas so that you can learn to thrive in today's nonprofit landscape. I'm joined by my co-host, our Chief of Impact, Sarah Fanslau. Sarah, it's good to be back on the podcast with you again today. Hey, Tucker. Great to be here. And, uh, you know, this particular topic, I probably say this about every one of our topics because they're all so relevant, but this one, uh, this one's definitely in some ways a hot button topic. This one's a, uh, some people are doing this well and some people aren't doing this well. Um, some people are helping to strengthen, uh, the space around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And some people are actually hurting the space around diversity, equity, and inclusion through their approaches that they take and the conversations that they're trying to have. Um, Mm -hmm. And so this particular topic is close to my own heart and my own understanding and my own lived experience. Uh, And Sarah, curious your your thoughts on this topic before we introduce our guest. Yeah, I just I think it's foundational and fundamental. So I'm excited we're having it and that we have um, such an esteemed guest who can help share some a, a lot of expertise and lived experience around this. And I think one of the things, Tucker, about what you just said, you know, some people are doing it well and some aren't. I think some people who think they're doing it well aren't doing it well. And that's some of the challenge of this work, right, is good intentions, poor execution and the line between those two things. So mm. excited um, to explore the difference between intentions and reality or perceptions a little bit deeper today. Wow. Well, I am uh, very delighted to introduce our guest today, uh, Carolyn. It is so good to have you. Carolyn, let me introduce you first and then I'll chat with you a little bit. But Carolyn Colleen, she is a fierce mother of three children. She's an author, an international speaker, a nonprofit leader, and an entrepreneur and a strategist focused on helping others achieve their goals. Uh, she is the founder of the Fierce Foundation, which is a foundation for generational change serving underrepresented women and children to create generational self-sufficiency. She's also the owner of a private school called Acton Midwest, where the philosophy is clear thinking, which leads to good decisions and good decisions lead to the right habits and the right habits lead to character and character becomes destiny. Uh, I also love Carolyn too. You know, our topic today is around DEI conversations and how do you strengthen those conversations through, especially through uh, using a methodology called appreciative inquiry and uh, that which came out of Case Western University. Well, you actually work with them as well. So you've been deep in these trenches, uh, both as an African-American woman, as a nonprofit leader, as uh, as somebody who's been working with Case Western University. And also you recently have been, and I'll let you speak to this a little bit, uh, but you recently have been, um, I don't know what the word is, is it elected or nominated or brought forth to the UN around women's issues around the world. Um, so I'm just so gl- glad to have you here, Carolyn, and to be able to speak with you about such an important topic today. Well, Tucker and Sarah, thanks for having me today. I'm excited for the conversation. Mm. And before I keep going, tell us tell us a little bit about what's happening with you around the UN. What's what's coming yeah, up very so soon with you? You know, you're, you get invited to be a delegate. Invited. For, uh, there we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, a delegate for the Commission on the Status of Women at the United Nations. And uh, so I'm excited because the next two weeks I'll be in many different conversations around world issues in a specific topic on innovation and technology and how might we uh, serve 
some of the the, the most uh, underrepresented populations around the world with innovation and technology. And so wow. this is the CSW uh, year 67. And um, and it starts as, uh, Monday for the next two weeks. So, Wow. What an exciting adventure uh, for <laughs> you to be a part of that. That's incredible. Uh, and what an honor too. Like I love right. the, it is. what an honor to be invited to that. Well, let's uh, let's hop on into the topic because it's uh, it's a biggie, and it's again as we've uh, been working on it together around uh, how do we strengthen our DEI conversations, which ultimately our conversations lead to what we actually end up doing around DEI, uh, and how do we do that through appreciative inquiry? But before we get into some of that, which to me is really you're 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 living into that next normal of nonprofit leadership. Um, but before we get there, what are some of the pains or the challenges that um, nonprofit leaders are experiencing regarding their DEI conversations? What have you been noticing as a nonprofit leader, as well as with, I know that you work with different nonprofits as well. Um, what are some of the pains that you're noticing around this particular topic? What I'm noticing either being serving as a board member, but also in in leading in, non, in nonprofit is where we see that the word equitable is within the values and mission statement. However, uh, the action doesn't follow. Mm. And finding the balance of what does that mean? And what I'm really proud of specifically is there's nonprofits that I'm involved in and also in uh, leading lead is that they're taking a moment to take pause. They're taking a moment to really, okay, think about it. They're thinking about, they're, they're taking a moment to pause and say, all right, we need to think about this. Our mission and value statement, what does it truly mean now, today? Now, there's been quite a bit of um, change for us as a, as a human race in the past three years mm -hmm. and we aren't the same mm. and how do we move forward from a state of intersectionality in which to continue the change without tossing out our mission and our vision and our values but perhaps we need to take a moment to really understand what our mission and values are mm. and so you we have uh for example i serve on several boards. And then I also run or am the founder of my own nonprofit and have also um, sat in roles of executive director in nonprofit. Mm. And it's, it's true. We need to be able to come and look at our vision statement, look at our mission statement. If the word equity is in the vision, in the mission and the values, well, then what does it mean to us? And what does it mean to us right now? Because what it was three, five years ago, it's different. Mm. And we should be looking at where are we now? What does our mission vision statement look like? And is it true? Mm. And if, if if all the words don't necessarily mean um, are meaningful or valuable in this ex actual moment of a who we're serving and how we're serving, maybe we need to refresh it. And as a nonprofit, you should. Every three to five years, we should be taking a look at it. 
when we're yeah, con sure. constantly looking at our new funders and where are we getting new new uh, grants and where are we getting more donations and where what what is our our we continually look every single month at our bottom line are we continuing to look at what our values are and where we're headed to um and so i'm very proud of the organizations that i'm involved with that did seek um outside advice mm -hmm. and say hey here here is our mission statement here's our value statement what does it look like? What does it look like for the outside looking in? And what does it look yeah. like for our board and as our board reflective of our missions and our values? If not, all right, what do we need to change? And uh, what do we need to add? What do we need to rework in order to have a missions and value statement that aligns with where we are right now? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I, somebody told me the other day, it's hard to read the label from inside the bottle. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how do we have somebody to help be a mirror to us to to help us understand more of where we're at? I'm mm -hmm. curious, especially diving into the the approach to these types of conversations. Mm -hmm. um, and I know, you know, we know each other from a facilitation community, a delightful community called Exchange. Uh, that we've gotten to know each other through there. And so much of that is about approach, uh, how we bring people together, how we have conversations. And what have you noticed around pain in particular and, and issues that uh, maybe where you've seen this gone awry, where there was like what Sarah was talking about, great intentions and really poor execution. Um, mm -hmm. What have you noticed are the pains around how we're even approaching these conversations that you've noticed nonprofit leaders are struggling with? Well, yes. <laughs> so I have an example of how we have guided our board on um, looking at those pain points. So specifically to D DEI conversation. All right. When we're looking at that, does our board reflect who we serve? And then also, um, what having a I would encourage uh, those that are listening and other you know as far as nonprofits when you are you do have these pain points to have a what we did was a retreat and we did a three hour retreat to talk about let's take pause let's get present let's bring to the table uh, a, a current challenge or pain point which is specifically um what are the strengths that we have what is it that we can honor as far as remembering a time when we felt included when we felt unity when we came together and celebrated and coming from an exchange approach how others might be doing this wrong is saying hey uh we need to have a dei statement now <laughs> yeah Yes, I've heard that before. And that from a from a person of color's perspective is we don't want a DE statement that means nothing. And what we don't want is a, a, a new rendition of um, uh, what's called what we had before, which was this um, aggressive um employment, which is uh, what 
I was now I'm now I'm blanking on the name because I'm I'm thinking of it and it gets me emotional. Um, <laughs> which is um um the the all in, the all inclusive employment that was uh, mandated for us, with which we just like if it if it, it we're not looking for a checkbox. Yeah, it's does it align with your values, and how are you being inclusive? How are you um uniting, and so having that conversation and having a retreat with your board and, and even with your staff and saying, hey, let's honor the strengths that we do have. When was the when was the last time that you felt included? What did mm-hmm. that feel like? Where were you? What uh, were you celebrating something? Maybe it was a baby shower. Maybe it was a birthday. When was the last, when was a time that you saw a community come together and you felt included and then highlighting what those strengths are? What are the themes? Well, people will say, well, you know, I just felt, I felt safe. I felt like I belonged. And, and I felt like it was a, a community of, of being welcome. Well, wonderful taking those strengths and adding those to the conversation to reduce a bit of when you know when we when we invite people into a conversation of a DEI conversation, equity conversation, people are going to come to the table with a particular uh, what are we talking about, and they might have their already predisposed um, assumptions about what might be discussed. If you come to the table with a more appreciative inquiry approach to honor the strengths of the people that are in the room, the people have done the work because Mm -hmm. in nonprofit, we're exhausted a lot of the times. We forget to fill our own cup. And so then therefore, when you do come to the conversation on a pain point, we're already spent. Mm -hmm. So getting to a space of identifying and honoring people for the work that they have done, Mm -hmm. the advocacy they have done, the intersectionality, they have done hmm. the um the ways in which they have stood up for what's right and then going into okay now we understand what it feels like to be included we know what it feels like to be honored and accepted and acknowledged now how do we define what that means for our organization hmm. in a way of not uh, a gotcha culture because we definitely have that going on but more of, so rather than I gotcha, caught ya, how about an element of grace and a little bit more of I got you? Mm. Ooh, that's good. So that we come together and honor what is beautifully different about each of us, but moving to and moving together in a space of unity. Mm. Because if we're continually moving in a space of depletion and I'm constantly we're trying to catch each other and catch each other in mistakes, even though we're supposed to be moving in a similar direction, fighting the good fight, we're not gonna get anywhere. Yeah. So that is where I've seen nonprofit that I am involved with um, be able to move forward mm. and set aside those a lot of disagreements and a lot of uh, healing, a lot of pain points because yeah, I mean, let's be real. We all make mistakes. Mm. But in this nonprofit charge, 
we didn't get into it for the money. <laughs> so how about we take a deep breath? How about we stop trying to catch each other? And how about we get each other mm. and then move forward on a value-based uh, initiative that moves our organization in a positive direction? Mm. Oh, I love that. I love that idea of grace, right? It's calling in and not calling out. Um mm -hmm little bit um and I love Carolyn I love your orientation around starting with the values what do we even believe and what do we want and what does it look like sound like feel like for you and for you and for you knowing mm. it's different based on our chairs and our bodies in those chairs and then our experience and all of those pieces um I'm so curious one of the things you brought up earlier was the idea of you know orienting in strengths reconnecting or rebuilding our values and then um, taking it to action. I heard you talk about saying, what does our board makeup look up, look like, right? Who are the bodies in the chairs? Do they represent the work that we're doing? Curious about other best practices you've seen around after folks have aligned on the values and have words on the page, how they bring that out into to action and then how they measure their progress. Curious your thoughts on that piece. Mm -hmm. So yes, once you've aligned with those values and said, hey, the people that the 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 service that we are serving, the people that we are serving in our nonprofit, we need to have people that also on the board that reflect those people that we're serving. All right, who are we going to assign that to, and how are we going to get more people, uh, at least one, maybe two, on the board uh, to be able to have a differing opinion? Yeah. Um, because as we take uh, as we take initiative to do so, we definitely do. We want to have people that think differently than us. And we want to be able to have people that uh, on the, on our board that uh, don't necessarily always agree, but it makes us stronger in doing so. So the action steps, uh, as far as development goes, is to have our development and our community development, they are in charge of letting people know, hey, we have these refreshed values mm -hmm. and are you interested in coming in supporting our our board and serving on our board? This is what it looks like. Mm -hmm. so sometimes we have organizations um, that I'm involved with have been around for 40 years yeah. and they need that opportunity to say, hey, we're we have this longevity and we have a refreshed perspective and here's how you can come help us on this mission. So once they've outlined that, having the board be able to recruit with that refreshed vision, that refreshed value statement, and a refreshed board, mm -hmm. that is exciting. And um, and I, did I answer your question? Yeah, I love I love that. I think this idea of saying, hey, we've done this thing. This is what we've got. Come join us from this place of renewed strength. I really... I love that approach. Um, and a few, you know, there's a few nonprofits that I follow and I'm going to forget the name um, of the one I'm thinking about right now, but, you know, they did their values, I think a few years ago. And then they said, and here's what we're going to do to live into them. And they had a set, a whole set of actions, right? Mm -hmm. And one was about, for example, ensuring that, and this is a behavioral science organization, 50% of contributing 
researchers and scientists were um, folks of color, for example. And, you know, the list went on and they said, here's what we're going to do. And here's how we're going to measure our success. Hold us accountable. And we'll try to do the same internally. And I love this idea of moving the words beyond to, to actions and then to measurement and ultimately to accountability so that, and we may not, not always meet all of our dreams for ourselves, right? That's true. But by setting the intention and identifying how, what success looks like, I think we're more able to, and I love your example of what that looks like from a, from a board perspective. Yeah. Thank you. And, and to, and to add to that now, being on a board and advising. So let's say, like you said, um, holding a board accountable or holding that organization accountable to the change that they are, they are seeking to walk the walk, talk the talk. As uh, some have gone out and said, okay, well, we're going to be representative. Now we need to get a person of color on our board. Well, <laughs> sometimes, and and that's that's something that also you want to be mindful of because people of color are also spent, <laughs> exhausted. Mm. Um, and so being mindful of that, one solution that we that I feel might be helpful for the organizations listening that we've done is we have a people of color consortium. Mm. And what we do is that piece, people of color consortium then advises the organizations so it's not necessarily you have to have a person on color of color on your board because they you know where um there's only so many people and 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 it might not be um sure you might have someone that really aligns with the organization and they want to serve on the board wonderful mm. but you might not and at the same time there there's people of color who are quite tired of being asked <laughs> so um because since three years ago um in, in the murder of George Floyd there's an out a, a huge influx of um of people saying hey can you help with this and can you help with that and can you <laughs> and yeah. um and in in being mindful of that mm. what has worked is we have a people of color consortium we get together once a quarter and we help answer questions mm. for organizations that they just want they just want to be able to serve and do it right. Mm. And so um and so we help advise organizations uh on questions they have mm. about their board, about their organization, about the people that they serve so that they can have a, a consortium of, of people advising mm. and giving feedback. Mm. And that can be done in, in your town as well. Mm. I love that. I love that piece. And I mean, as you mentioned also, board work is usually unpaid, right? And this mm -hmm. is labor. This is work. And, you know, we don't, we want to, yeah. So I, I love that piece of a consortium. If you're an organization that wants to be representative and you can't find somebody or you know what there's there's just not capacity you know there's an opportunity to get thoughts and advice still I mm. love this Carolyn I'm curious uh we've already kind of gone into that next normal of this uh but I want to unpack the exchange approach and appreciative inquiry um 
a little bit more around uh, and you know around uh, the approaches that we can continue to take um and what does that next normal uh really look like and you know i think we actually did a uh, a podcast at the very, I think it was literally our first podcast we did. It was actually about appreciative inquiry and some of the exchange approach as well, um, which is grounded in appreciative inquiry, but there's so many other pieces about exchange that have been so powerful. Um, but I'm curious, just from your perspective, uh, how would you describe, uh, maybe this is putting you on the spot a little bit, but how would you describe the exchange approach and appreciative inquiry? And, uh, and what does that look like as you've already started to share, but I want to dig into that a little bit more deeply around this approach component to these conversations, but how would you describe appreciative inquiry and the exchange approach? Uh, and then let's get into some approaches that people might take to live into this next normal. Yeah. So I would say the exchange approach is really, it's, it's a way to make moves toward a greater good by honoring what was, what is, and what could be. When you come into a conversation of facilitation and you take pause to honor the work that has been, been done. You know, I have so many beautiful humans that I'm, I'm uh, honored to be surrounded with and they've done so much work and it's beautiful. They have years and years and years of advocacy in serving and then you see some of these people who have done all, just dedicated their life to advocacy. And then seeing how, like we talked about earlier, how it's been done wrong in that we haven't, in this new place that we are, where DEI work has been done wrong is that the people who have been advocating for many, many, many years and been in so many different rooms dedicating their life to the work it's been almost a, a it's been a space of a reversal of all those years of dedication yeah because there we've gotten caught up in a gotcha culture hmm. and it's sad to see because some of the people who have just their their fire is burning so bright and they just want to help and they've been shamed and i feel moving forward we have an opportunity to pause and use the exchange approach to heal because yes in in the past three years there's been so much turmoil and there's so many things that we we need to be able to heal from but if we are in a space of continuous survival and trauma we will not be able to move forward. We are just going to implode. Mm. So when we use the exchange approach in our conversations, when we use it in our facilitation, and when we use it in a strategy to move forward, if that is truly what we want to do, we want to be able to pause and honor people of all different, um, all different advocacy groups and, and truly bring forth the strength that they bring to the table. And then in a place of what is, so honoring what was, standing in what is, you can move forward into a new possibility. So when I say what is, I mean advocates that perhaps need to, or, or would be invited to um, 
say, hey, the, how, how the words that I chose 20, 30 years ago don't apply right now. And we are in a new time. Okay, it is. That's how it is. All right. Now, what do I need to do to move forward in a safe psychological space to learn what could be in the definition of equity and inclusion? And so using the exchange approach in which to help that healing conversation, we're not stamping out the light of someone who has worked very hard and helped so many people. We're also not stamping out the light of someone who's new to the table that right. sees it in a new way and says, hey, you know, that type of, um, that type of those words, they don't resonate with where I am. But you know what? I see you. I accept you. Now let's fight this fight together. Mm. I feel the exchange approach is the key to helping us do exactly that. Oh, wow. That's so great, Caroline. You know, it reminds me of a story. Um, I was in something called Leadership Denver this last year, and uh, a woman, an African American woman who's been uh, she called herself a diversity consultant since the, I think the sixties or the seventies. Her name is Dr. Juanita Mosby Tyler, and she runs an organization called the equity project here in Denver. And she said she had one moment, um, where a, a, a white man in his sixties came up to her crying, saying, you were the first person to ever tell me that I was included in diversity because she said the, the great trap, one of the great travesties of the diversity movement was that it basically meant everything that was not white. And I, and I hear what you're sharing. And he, this, this gentleman in particular had been in this space, right? Had been advocating to your point, right? Um, but I just, uh, I'm appreciating so much of what you were sharing and like what Dr. Juanita uh, had shared as well of, of how do we fully honor the lived experiences of all the people that are part of this work? Mm -hmm. um, and I love that word honor that you use so graciously too of, can we honor those who are in this space that, that we're all in this space? Not everybody, I guess, but many of us are in this space to find that pathway forward. Some of us are more clunky than others. Some of us aren't quite sure how to say the right words or not, you know, but, but that in, space yeah. of grace that you're mm -hmm. talking about. Um, she actually talked about that too. And I love that you're saying that because it's instead of a, I gotcha culture, it's a, I got you like that was so poignant around can we really just have a space of grace and help us all to learn into this yes in the space we that we're can. in with the exchange approach we can bear we can create a psychologically safe space to provide grace and yes no one has it exactly right mm. and giving grace and say all right you don't but i see you're trying because how wonderful did that feel the last time that we got grace? Mm. Because if you were someone who never made mistakes, I, I wonder who you are because I've never met one. <laughs> so, um, so you know, thinking and reflecting on the last time somebody somebody gave you a hey, hey, I'm, you know, come up, come here for a minute. I just want to say something, just so you know. That 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 uh, what you just said. It kind of you know rubbed me the wrong way and i just wanted to let you know that and you know you could read this book on that 
to in order to understand a little bit more where I'm coming from hmm. compared to, oh, I'm never talking to you again. I can't talk to you ever. It all like, hmm, how is that helping? Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. If we're working against each other and continually trying to catch each other, how do you control an overall society? You separate them and you pin them against each other. So if we take an element of grace, take a deep breath and realize that we're in the same room and we are trying to work to move the needle, to climb that mountain, to overcome those systems that oppress us, we need to come together. And so as we come together, we can overcome as we separate, we are not as strong. And so just like Maya Angelou said, I come as one, but I stand as 10,000. Hmm. We need each and every one of us in which to move toward solving the biggest issues in our world. Well, and then, and Caroline, the, in the approach to get there are things like, I loved how you shared about Let's all get grounded in our own lived experience of when we felt included. So we don't just think it, we like feel it. We're like in our own experience of what inclusion even means to me based on my own exploration or my own lived experience. And then like, that's where getting into these conversations, then where do you take them? Like you kind of hit on this around the, the discovery of the best of who we have been, who are we are and who we want to be. Um, it sounds like there's a sequence of different questions that you can invite people into that help to uh, unearth lived experience, unearth the best of who we have been. That doesn't feel like it's gotcha because of the type of questions that you're asking, which I know is central to the exchange approach. But tell us a little bit more about that, like get into those those questions that you've done. And, and honestly, when you do them, what what is made possible in the rooms that you've been in? Because I know that you facilitate these types of conversations mm -hmm. exactly. So like, how yes. did the conversation go in terms of what the questions were that you were asking and what was made possible by having these types of conversations versus the ones that many nonprofit leaders tend to be involved in? Yes, having your team and, and bringing forth what, what does it feel like? Like I said, what does it feel like to be appreciated? What is it, what, when's the last time you were appreciated? And then what happened? Where were you? What did it feel like? Think about a time when you were forgiven. What did it feel like? Where were you? Think about a time where you had an opportunity to help another person with no strings attached. What did it look like? What did it feel like? And in rooms, when you're asking those questions and you're bringing together that conversation, an opportunity to journal, an opportunity to realize themes in the conversation, that is where healing happens. Particularly with the when is the last time that you were forgiven? Yeah. In the healing that emerges, the walls that get broken down, and then what happens is then from there, realizing a future with the foundation of what does it feel like to have someone forgive you? And when you have come from a space of heart, when you get out of your head and into your heart, and we talk about that in exchange as well as using heart math and leading with heart 
in a thought authentic space, we can change the direction of where we're headed with so much more power. And so, yes, curating questions for your team, for your board of directors, for your staff, and and helping bring the conversation to a heart level. Mm. Realizing the themes, honoring those, which creates a safe psychological space and an opportunity to heal because it's, you know, it's, it's in nonprofit. There's a lot of burnout and because of the burnout, we tend to, um, we tend to, when we're upset, burnout, we come from an inauthentic place. Mm. When we can take that time and that pause to really reflect on what in the world brings us in the door every day anyway, and then be able to move forward with those questions, with that, that, that crowdsourcing idea of what makes us the strongest, use that tone in which to move forward and change um like for example taking those and using it as a theme so every board meeting when you start you say what is it that you know what is what are you celebrating Mm. share a story of how you have implemented what we discussed last Mm. What are you grateful for? And bringing the, that board meeting to a presence so that those that are seek, that, that, that need that space to be able, well, everyone needs it, but to be able to come from a space of authenticity, remembering why am I even in this room? That is where you're going to be able to um, invigorate. Carolyn, mm. curious if you've been in a space where, um, you know, the strength, the crucial inquiry is strengths focused, right? Um, but where folks are not ready to sit in the strength, right? And, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I think sometimes as we've done our work, um, you know, sometimes it's like, there's a challenge or a problem here that I feel like we're not being able to underline or focus on because, you know, because we're focused on strength instead. And, and we know that that's not the case, but curious if that's come up for you in, in conversations about DEI, where folks want to focus on what's wrong Mm -hmm. um, and have a hard time getting to uh, what is, or what's possible. And if so, how you've dealt with and addressed that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yes, definitely in some of the strategy work with nonprofit as well, they um, we've had ex- specific examples of staff who come to the table and they are armed and ready. Mm. They are armed with, um, um, and, and here's the example is we talk a little bit about, we break it down in that there's a difference between um, advocacy mm. and being an advocate and an ally for those you're serving compared to um there's a there's a a negative type of advocate mm-hmm. as well to where they're trying they they're they're forging the way um and it's it's actually counterproductive mm-hmm. and so are you are you an advocate or are you an aggressor mm-hmm. and so being an advocate means that you are standing with mm-hmm. 
And so, and you're giving, you know, you are standing with and you're giving voice to some, maybe someone who doesn't have a voice or can't stand for themselves. Compared to being an aggressor, that, that is more so where it's almost, it's almost to the point of taking away, it's taking away the struggle because you've taken it on for yourself, almost to a point of a victimhood. And so what's happened there is it's taking away from the struggle that that person that you're advocating for. And mm. it's also, um, it's also, it's also taking away from the work that's being done. Mm. So, so, so what's happening there is where they're putting themselves first compared to putting the person that they're serving first. Mm. So there's a fine line between giving a voice to someone and then, and giving what they want the message to be compared to what you've chosen that message for them. Mm. And so because we, a lot of times, you know, we're tired, we do a lot of advocacy work and then that line gets crossed and we lose sight. Mm. And so what I, what I do in those situations is in that conversation is really getting underneath what is meaningful and why do you do what you do? Why did you start doing this? Mm. give examples of people that you have helped and why and what did it mm. feel like mm. because as you can re recall it's not it's not always necessarily learning something new it's remembering what's true and getting underneath to their truth as to why they're in the room mm. when you can get to that truth and they can share so many different amazing stories of advocacy work that they've done and who they've helped and why mm. being able to get a little more clear on. And, and that's also an example of where getting off track with the mission and the vision soon. Sometimes you see where it's in nonprofit work, you'll see where nonprofits are kind of chasing the grant, they're chasing the funds and it doesn't align with what you truly stand for. Mm. So it comes right back to that exchange approach. What brought you in this room? What is your why for why you advocate? And share some, you know, write down some stories of, of advocacy and successful advocacy. Mm. And what's your meaning and definition of success in this particular role? Mm. And, and as they break it down, you'll see, you start to see that their definition of success in that particular role really doesn't have a whole lot to do with all of the ammunition they came to the table with. It's just that they didn't feel seen or heard mm. for the work that they have done. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I love that. Mm. Oh, Carolyn, I, I feel like we could sit on this topic <laughs> for <laughs> so long. Oh, this is such so a, a beautiful conversation. Um, very briefly, um, wanted to hit on when when this is when you've done this process with yourself, with your organization, with other organizations. You're already hitting to it, but I kind of want to hit it right on the head. Like, what is what is made possible for these organizations, for these leaders, when they go about it through this approach? What is made possible for them? What's beautiful and what's made possible is a board that's excited and ignited. And when you have a board and a staff that's excited and, and refreshed and ignited for their mission and their values, others see it. And therefore, what happens is that affects your bottom line. That affects your donors. 
That affects people who want to be able, they're like, ooh, wow, they're really passionate. Like they're really excited. And, And you can see passion, whether it's something where they're just like, you know, you know what it looks like. (laughs) <laughs> where you might have two people who are advocates in there, you know, they're just run ragged, but they're still, you know, they're, they're all, you know, pushing for the, for the, for the cause compared to an advocate who's like, I am, I'm fired up for the cause and the purpose. And I, and despite the adversity that we come across, we're united in this force. And yeah. you can see that they're filling their cup as well. Cause you can't give with an empty cup. So when you'd use this approach and you have a fired up board and a fired up staff, therefore you see the donors and you see the volunteers, they can't wait to get in. Mm, That's great. Carolyn, I'm uh, curious around our last question, which is just some practical steps. I'm a, let's say I was a nonprofit leader and I've already had at least five conversations that mostly went bad. Uh, I'm frustrated. I'm like, oh, we got to do DI work or whatever it is, right? The, whatever the sentiment might be or the, their current lived experience around some of these conversations that maybe has been challenging, tough. Curious, what practical steps can a nonprofit leader do to start to apply this uh, into the conversations that they're having? Yeah, I feel that it's every day is a new day. Every conversation is a new conversation. Give yourself some grace. Maybe things were done wrong. Maybe things were said wrong. Okay. And start from right now. Your next conversation. How are you flipping it? How are you how are you honoring that conversation to be appreciating people that are coming to the table? So I would say sit down at your desk. Take a deep breath. Give yourself an element of grace. And just say, all right. From this moment on, I am going to come from a place of inquiry. I'm going to ask more questions than give more answers. And I'm going to honor where I am. And I'm going to seek information. I'm going to ask questions. What does diversity mean to you? What does equity mean to you? And ask it of myself first. Write it down. And then the next conversation you come to, say, hey, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying and I'm trying something new. And here's what diversity means to me. Here's what equity means to me. This is an example of the last time that I felt included. What does it mean to you? And start the conversation. Maybe it's one person at a time. Maybe you do better one person at a time. Collect that, inquire, be passionately curious about what the heart is of the people on your staff in your organization. And then theme it. Maybe make a little, like a little circles and maps saying, oh, this person, their theme word was safety. This person, their theme word was love. This person, their theme word was acceptance. And then that next board meeting, that next staff meeting, take those words and say, hey, I'm trying. I apologize for any, for whatever past conversations might've happened that I messed up and you could name them specifically if you feel, but, and say here, I decided to come from a place of inquiry. These are the themes that I found. And I just want to honor all of you for taking the time to share with me what what makes us our best. And now let's move forward from here on out 
with every conversation of what is the best about us and within the topic of diversity and inclusion. And how do we want to move forward? I invite you to, to our next conversation. Maybe it's a retreat and it's a couple hours and we map out and talk about what are we at our best and what could we be? So that's a tactical approach to what they can do right away and just reset at the next conversation. That's great. I love that. Yeah, I was even thinking, Sarah, when we when we did this with ourselves, we did this exact same thing. We we reflected on like where have we created spaces for uh, like where we brought diverse voices in, where we've had equitable learning environments, where we made people feel or helped people to feel inclusive, and it was very generative for us because I think we we even were stuck a little bit. And we're like, wait, we even do the exchange approach and appreciative inquiry. Let's do it on ourselves. And so we did. And it was really generative for us um, to to honor what we already are doing to what you've been sharing. Um, and and it was really great. It was it provided such a great foundation for the work that we're already doing. And then a little bit of a foundation for us to understand more about where we can go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really just appreciating what you're sharing and giving that grace I'm actually wondering too, as a last thing, uh, maybe we can co-create some questions with you that we can leave for our listeners um, that they can take and run with, and uh, we can put them in the show notes. So that way, these are, you know, question design is so important, and uh, you've mm-hmm. hit on so many uh, ways of uh, flipping questions into things that uh, questions that are asked that help be make it generative, right, and create the space of grace because the very question you're asking. Um, and so I'm wondering if we can do that together, if you're okay with that, Carolyn, and we can co-create some questions that we can leave just in a simple document or something like that for people to, to do, to take to that next conversation. You already hit on some of them and I want to write them down so that people can have some to practice and to try some of these next conversations. Yes, that would be wonderful. Awesome. Well, um, Carolyn, thank you so much. What a, what a gracious conversation. It really was. I feel like like just being in your presence is just so delightful and so grace filled. Like, I just want to keep sitting and listening to you and the way that you talk and the way that you, you hold yourself with grace um, and that you help people to think differently about some of this work, because this is a tense topic. Uh, It's a tense topic. If you're a white person, it's a tense topic. If you're a person of color, it's a tense topic on so many different fronts. Um, it's a tense topic for those with disabilities. We've worked with people with disabilities as well. Like it's a tense topic for all the different people who are coming into all these different spaces and us at the end of the day, just wanting to feel noticed or feel seen and be a part of, you know, the best of what we could be as well. So yeah, just so great to be here with you today, Carolyn, Sarah, thanks for co-hosting with me as usual Mm. and, uh, have a great day, everybody. Thanks for showing up. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll put the show notes, uh, the link in the show notes you to grab that uh, as soon as we're done. Thanks, everyone.